right. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. We'll get rolling here. Oh, I, w- I want to start in Matthew here. We're going to actually go back to uh, Mount Sinai here uh, oh, in the Old Testament, which is so funny. You know, you can just, the Bible's not an account if it's not history. It's really not. Even this right here. Look, Matthew chapter 17, six days later, so something must have happened. Yeah. So we're right in the middle of some sort of time frame. This is, this is about Jesus. He's probably just months or so before he is going to get crucified. But anyway, he took Peter and James and John, his brother, his brother John, to the top of a high and lonely hill. As they watched, his appearance changed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Well, you know, <clears throat> we, we've learned from the Bible and the history of the Bible and uh, God's appearance, which we'll see in just a moment here. Uh, I mean, whoa, so we knew this was coming here. Suddenly, look at this, Moses and Elijah appeared. Now, those guys, it, 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 roughly about 2,000 years ago. Well, Elijah more like uh, about 800 years or, or so 600, whatever. Moses was about four, so about a thousand years to Moses right there. But man, they appeared. And see, I mean, all this stuff, you, you have to, you don't have to, I'm taking a phrase from Billy Graham. Billy Graham said, Jesus didn't tell us to understand. He said, believe, you know, okay. And so anyway, but anyway, so Moses and Elijah here, you know, if, if we take this as like, whoa, I thought they were dead. Well, Things Jesus had said about when they tried to tell uh, Jesus that uh, there's no resurrection. He said, you do greatly err, you know, uh, because uh, God, he told Moses that uh, in that burning bush, remember that story Jesus told about that? He says, when he was trying to address people that didn't believe in the resurrection, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac. He didn't say I was the God. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So anyway, so now you're seeing two of them. See, one day, I mean, in 100 years, we're going to be out of here. We're not going to be here. All of us in this room, we're going to be gone. Where are we? Well, we're somewhere because Moses and Elijah will be with the Lord. You know. But Moses and Elijah, you know who they are. Didn't have to have name tags. Praise the Lord. And if you remember some things in the book of Revelation, and, you, and actually you've heard it, it's actually... Oh, in several places throughout the Bible, the Lord's coming back with what? Ten thousands of his saints. I mean, just hundreds of saints. He didn't say angels. He does say in other places angels come, but he says saints too. Whoa, we're all coming back. Remember, there'll be a new heavens and new earth. But anyway, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and we're talking with him. Wow. Peter blurted out, sir, it's wonderful that we can be here. If you want me to, I'll make three shelters, one for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah. Oh, but even as he said this, a bright cloud overshadowed, I mean, overcame, excuse me, came over them and a voice from the cloud says, this is my beloved son. Oh, I am wonderfully pleased with him. Obey him. Oh, at this, the disciples fell downward to the ground, terribly frightened. Jesus came over and touched them. Get up. Don't be afraid. Okay. So, boy, that was a voice from heaven. And we actually, uh, you, you see that to, oh, in, in uh, the book of 1 John. John is actually there. He said, we heard that voice. That voice they heard also when Jesus was baptized. There was a voice from heaven. Some people thought it thundered. Uh, you know, another place where right before Jesus died on the cross, Oh, Jesus was saying, Father, glorify your name. And all of a sudden, the heavens just roared and said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Whoa. And Jesus said, that voice wasn't for me. It was for you. Praise the Lord. Okay. So anyway, so we see, wow, 
what all's going on here? It's not. It's almost like sometimes if we don't go back and look at the uh, what's behind it, you can easily think, well, maybe Jesus was just off his rocker and uh, no. So Genesis, of course, as I've said always, Genesis means beginning. It didn't say, well, for the Jews, it's our start. No, it's beginning. It actually starts out in the beginning. We're, look at this. Just uh, When God began creating the heavens and the earth, the earth was shapeless, chaotic mass with the Spirit of God brooding over the vapors. Now, it, it, uh, you know, if you flip it to the King James, the same thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's, well, it, the Jews started to have their religion about this time. No, that's when it started. Okay, but anyway, uh, if you will, I want to go all the way to Genesis. Uh, excuse me, I don't have to do it that way. Let's go, Gen- well, here we go, 50 right here. Genesis 50, look at the very last couple of verses here. Look at that, you already see the word Egypt right there. Uh, let's back up. Uh, well, that's good enough. Look at verse 20, 26. Now remember, Joseph, coat of many colors. It's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, you know. Now, that's not far-fetched. It's pretty easy to figure that out, especially you got two, he had two wives. Actually, he had four because each one had a little servant girl. Anyway, Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Okay. So they're now in Egypt here, and if you go straight to the next chapter or book, a histor- history here, chapter Exodus chapter 1, this is the list of the sons of Jacob who accompanied him to Egypt. So it's a list of them. It's only about, I think it's 70-something and all. Yeah, there it is. Oh, the total number with him was 70 for Joseph was already there. Yeah, made sense because he actually saved them. He was sold as a slave, but he wound up being second to Pharaoh, which is, uh, again, you know, like Phil was mentioning, well, how to, you know, uh, uh, you know, he said his pastor gave him something. Well, uh, we're, we're not poor, praise the Lord. We're just not. You can't read the Bible and think that. Just look, see, notice, uh, look at verse seven here. And this is because of the Lord. Meanwhile, their descendants were very fertile, increasing rapidly in numbers. There was a veritable population explosion, so they soon became a large nation, nation, and they filled all the land of Goshen. Well, that's when Pharaoh gets a little ticked off about it. So let's jump ahead. Moses comes on the scene. Moses didn't want to go, but the Lord uh, convinced him, and he did. And then all of a sudden, boy, here they are. They have come out of Egypt. We're going to skip. We've already gone all the way through the Red Sea. Oh, and let's see, we got all the way to, there's uh, Moses' father-in-law. So all these details are like, well, you know, if you read this and get it in like the Living Bible, you, it, people say they've read the Bible and they've, looked, they've read the King James, and you can't translate that King James fast enough. We do not think according to 1500s English. When they translated that in 1550 or 1560, 1530, whatever the date was, you know, when Tyndall, whoever it was, did it. Uh, we don't use those words today. So here we are in the 18th chapter. Words soon reached Jethro. You know, hey, Beverly Hillbillies. I mean, see, you can relate to that. Yeah? We've heard that name. Well, that was Moses' father-in-law. Now get this. He was the priest of Midian. That was a sun god. But he had enough sense to know that his son-in-law. Matter of fact, Moses went to him when, remember the burning bush? I already mentioned that. Moses went to go tell his father-in-law, you're not going to believe what happened to me on top of that mountain. Huh. A burning bush was burning, but it didn't get consumed. And it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, that priest of Midian, his father-in-law, said, Oh, we've heard about that. And we've also heard, he also knew that the children of Israel were going to go to the promised land. He knew that story. His father-in-law did. Anyway, 
So anyway, uh, word soon reached Jethro, Moses' father, all the priests of Midian, about all the wonderful things God had done for his people and for Moses and how the Lord had brought them out of Egypt. That's why if you throw that story away, God has no groundwork to show you what he'll do for you in the future. But thank God we don't. I was trying to read a psalm the other day, and the very first thing the psalm said in Psalm 113, 114, something like that, 115, it was, uh, God took, he said, I took you out of Egypt and I brought you to the promised land. No, that never happened. Okay, wait. Then Jethro, Jethro took Moses' wife, Zipporah, to him, for he had sent her home. Okay. Oh, uh, she's in the earlier part of uh, Exodus, chapter 3 and 4. You hear, read about her. Along with Moses' two sons. Look at this. Look at this. It's so great. Gershom, meaning foreigner, never happened. Oh, the place markers in this thing. Uh, it's road signs. Everywhere. For Moses said when he was born, I have been wandering in a foreign land. Talking about that son. Because remember, Moses was 40 years old and he was trying to help some Israelis and he killed one of the Egyptians and then boy, Pharaoh wanted him dead. So he, he got out. And then the other one was Eliezer, meaning God is my help. Now, we've heard Eliezer before. Where Baptist church you go to? I go to Eliezer. Some of them, Ebenezer. Ebenezer means something too. Look at this, meaning God is my help. See, all this, I'm just going to heaven only. Can you imagine? We are on our own. Everyone in this room, Bob's on his own, Laura, you know, Janet, Phil, Paula, me. If it's just about heaven, we got to have help. I mean, we already heard a great story about just asking God to help you with the lights, and he does. Okay, God is my help. He named that son that. I don't want to get, I don't want people to think I'm a Christian. I don't want to, man, I do. I'd rather have the help. Persecution's fine. Jesus mentioned that, talking about the hundredfold. He said, whoever gives up houses, lands, and all this stuff for my name's sake and the gospel shall receive a hundredfold, went through the whole list. You'll get this, 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 and then the last thing he says, with persecutions. I can handle the persecutions. I just, I don't, it ain't fun being broke. Mm -mm. Here we go. All right, so Moses said at his birth, the God of my fathers was my helper. Notice how Moses didn't deny history. Well, we're just amoebas out there. We don't know. I mean, my daddy crossed over on the Mayfire, but we, we don't know. It's billions of years. No, it's not. It's not billions of years. The God of my fathers was my helper and delivered me. Look at this. He's like King David. From the sword of Pharaoh. Where do you think David got all this from? David had been reading. And remember who his grandmother was? Ruth. And Ruth was with, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, Naomi was, that was her, that was the, Naomi was the mother-in-law. Okay. Four chapter book of Ruth. Nothing but history. Jethro, your father-in-law has come to visit you, Moses was told. So, and he's brought your wife and your two sons. So you talk about a reunion. I mean, because remember, they were down there and the water turned to, to blood, you know. And I'm sure Moses said, look, baby, you better get on back home. <laughs> it's going to get rough. Because <laughs> they wanted to kill Aaron and they wanted to kill Moses. The people, the Israelites did. They were going, look what you've done. You made Pharaoh so bad at us. He's made us have to, we can't even get any stuff to make bricks with. And, but, oh, hold on a second. Boy, the power of God took place in the next two weeks destroyed Egypt, but it never did bother the land of Goshen. Same way, not even a dog. Remember that barked at him. So anyway, so here they come back. Don't you know they had a good time? 
So Moses went out to greet his father-in-law and greeted him warmly. They asked each other about each other's health and then went into Moses' tent to talk further. Moses related to his father-in-law all that happened. Now, you've got to realize, was his wife outside? I bet he had both of his sons with him. His wife is right there too, and they're hearing all this stuff. Look what they're hearing. All that had been happening and what the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians in order to deliver Israel and all the problems they'd had along the way and how the Lord delivered his people from all of them. Psalm 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all, you know. Amen. See, we, we, we get ourselves in trouble, and I do too, and it can be in 24 hours. You think, it's just hopeless. Sit down, fix some coffee or something, and read your Bible. Remember, that's all like renewing your mind. God, I'm so worried. Get a hold of yourself, Richard. Read the Bible. Just read the Bible. That's just myths and legends. No, it's not. It's history. Look at this. Jethro was very happy about everything the Lord had done for Israel. I guess so. And bringing them out of Egypt. This was a massive, it was a logistics nightmare, but it worked. Because it's God that did this. You know, it's so funny. A lot of people, they just can't figure this out because they, they were taught there is no God. They hadn't been reading their Bible. Like I say, you take the miracles out of the Bible, there is no God. God is a miracle. He's just miracles all the time. Bless the Lord. Now, he's a priest of the sun God, but look at him. Jethro said, for he has saved you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh and has rescued Israel. I know the Lord, look at this, that the Lord is greater. No, notice this. Remember, he's a priest of the sun god, and it probably never worked for him until he got lucky a little bit. Well, hey, it did rain this time. <laughs> I'll keep worshiping the sun. They, they think this stuff works. They don't know no better. I know now that the Lord is greater than any other god. See, he's speaking from his background, just like Nebuchadnezzar was. Nebuchadnezzar had his own little image, you know, he created it actually himself, you know, but he knew who the Lord was. He's greater than any other God. Look at this. Because he delivered his people from the proud and cruel Egyptians. Yeah, remember, they were tossing the Israelis, just like Hitler killing Jews, tossing the kids in the Nile River. Well, they let the girls live. Yeah, what's up with that? But they wanted the boys killed. Okay. Jethro offered sacrifices to God. Remember, he was a priest for the sun God, but he knew now to our God now. And afterwards, Aaron and the leaders of Israel came to meet Jethro. I guess so. And they all ate a sacrificial meal together before the Lord. The only way I can equate this to help us out a little bit is our, if you're Methodist or Baptist, whatever, and you had dinner on the grounds that afternoon, whatever, it certainly wasn't, well, nobody's happy if the preacher's not happy. Man, everybody's happy. So-and-so brought strawberry ice cream. I mean, man, we were having a great time. We've thrown this out. We, we, we've all thought, when you get near God, you're in trouble. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Matter of fact, that's the Passover too. If you don't think it's the Passover, think about the Lord's Supper. Because go, where do you want us? They asked Jesus. Where do you want the disciples? Where do you want us to ask and get, to, get to, the, the meal? It wasn't like, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. There was no Lord's Supper at the time. That didn't happen until later. But that Lord's Supper with all those people, that was the Passover meal. You ate that meal together. Anyway, so here we go. The next day, Moses sat at usual to hear the people's complaints against each other from morning to evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw how much time he was taking, he said, why are you trying to do all this? This is going to kill you. Well, you're just the sun god, dude. 
I tell you what, God will use all of us in this world. He'll help. Just don't close the door on anybody around you. Look at this. Why are you trying to do this alone with people standing here all day long uh, to get you help? Well, because people come to me with their disputes to ask for God's decisions. Well, God won't help. <laughs> yeah, they knew he would. Moses told him, I am their judge deciding what's right and who's wrong and instructed them in God's ways. I apply God's laws to their particular disputes. Now, remember, this is the reason Jethro said this because there was basically roughly some number, either three million or six million. It's not right, his father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out if you do. What will happen to the people? Moses, this job is too heavy a burden for you to handle by yourself. Now listen, and I'll give you a word of advice, and God will bless you. Yeah, but you're a sun god worshiper, whatever. Well, no, he just got through telling you who the real God was. This guy, had, he was saying, Moses, what? And remember, he cared for him because he's married to one of his daughters. Be the people's lawyer, their representative before God, who don't exist. No, see how they treat this as though it's real. Bringing him their questions to decide. You will tell them his decisions, teach them God's laws, and showing them the principles of God to live in. Now look at this. Find some capable, godly, honest men who hate bribes. Appoint them as judges, one judge for a thousand. Now we kind of do this in the United States. You know, it's, it's actually a little better here than it is in the U.S., but you break it down by counties and stuff. Here we go. One judge over a thousand, and he in turn will have ten judges over a hundred, there's 100, 100, 100, 100. So you got 1,000, one of them up here, and then you got 10 judges here. Then you break it down to, oh, oh, let's see, yeah. And then under him, each will have two judges responsible for the affairs of 50 people. And these will have five judges beneath him, each are counseling 10 persons. Wouldn't that be good if we had everybody in this room here, we had our own personal judge for just 10 of us, you know. Anyway, let these men be responsible to, in other words, take care of these daily problems. Oh, uh, Serve the people with justice at all times. Anything that's too important, complicated, can be brought to you. But the small matters can take care of themselves. That way it'll be easier for you because you will share the burden with them. If you follow this advice, and if the Lord agrees, you will be able to endure the pressures, and there will be peace and harmony in the camp. Now let's just stop and think we just started reading the Bible. Did you notice this? This didn't make sense, you know. If I was writing a fairy tale Bible, I wouldn't have had anything like this in there. I'd have kept it, Moses, the man of God, you know. Well, look at the man of God. Looked like he had to have some help. Well, that's because Moses was not God. The Lord's just using Moses to help us all here. Moses listened to his father's law advice and followed this suggestion. Notice he didn't say, yeah, I'm going to go ask God about this because I don't think you're right. He chose able men from all over Israel, made them judges over the people. Thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. They were constantly able to administer justice. They brought the hard cases to Moses, but judged the smaller matters themselves. Soon afterwards, his father-in-law returned to his own land. Where? The land of Midian. Now, here we go. We are now at Mount Sinai, and watch for a time indicator. How long has it been? Here we go. Isra the Israelis arrived at the Sinai Peninsula, three months after the night of their departure from Egypt. There you go. Pharaoh and them, the walls of the water collapsed on them just three months ago. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the base of Mount Sinai and set up camp there. Moses climbed the rugged mountain to meet with God. Now, the other day I was reading this and I had a piece of paper. I said, whoa, stop, stop. Got my pencil and I put a little up arrow saying he's on his way up. <laughs> he climbed this thing about six times. Up, down, up, down, up, down. And 70 of the elders went with him one time because the Lord said, bring up the 70 elders. 
And guess what? When they came up, I know you've heard the story or go back and go read it. They had dinner with God. They said they saw God and God didn't kill them. It knows didn't kill them to see him. Anyway, Moses climbed up the mountain to meet with God. And from somewhere in the mountain, God called to him and said, now, I want to point out something that just remembered. When Moses saw the burning bush and he was saying, I can't do, we can't do this, send somebody else. And God said this to him. He said, this is proof. You will be back here and worship me on this mountain. And that was within what? Three months, maybe three and a half months. His time before Pharaoh and all them plagues, that went so fast. Mercy. When do you want to get rid of these frogs? Ah, Pharaoh said what? Tomorrow. <laughs> you know. And the next problem happened. Wow. All right, here we go. So anyway, uh, God's talking to him. Give these instructions to the people of Israel. Tell them you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. No, it never happened. It did happen. So we believe it. We believe it. Look at this beautiful words. How I brought you to myself as though on angels' wings. And then Moses and Aaron could not have handled this. It would be a logistics nightmare, like I said. It's not a people thing. It's a God. Bless America. He did this for us. Now, if you will obey me and keep your part of my contract, uh, look at this. You shall be my own little flock. He's talking about, you know, sheep, shall you say, from among all the nations, for all the earth is mine. Look at this. And you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Now, this is going to be for the world, but he was using this group here to be, notice the terminology, a kingdom of priests. And it's the same words that First Peter said. First Peter wrote this. Peter was just a fisherman. He wasn't a religious person. He didn't catch on to that till he met Jesus. Life completely changed around. And he said, boy, you know, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Where do you get that from right here? See, because the world needs our help. Anyway, Moses returned from the mountain. So here he goes. He came down. So that was one, wasn't it? And he called together the elders of the people, told them what the Lord said. Now, what did he just say? I didn't forget. Oh, yeah. He brought them out of Egypt as though angels' wings. He's going to make us a holy nation. And guess what, boys? We're going to be a kingdom of a bunch of priests. Priest? I barely go to church as it is. Well, from now on, you're going to be a priest. They all responded in unison. We'll certainly do everything he asked of us. Well, you can imagine. It's just like us. We make mistakes. They got all the way to the promised land and said, we can't do this. But they said at this time, yeah, we will. Moses reported the words of the Lord to the people. So he went back. He said, I'm going to come to you. Look at this. In the form of a dark cloud. Now, this is recorded in uh, Hebrews chapter, among other places. Hebrews chapter 12. The mountain is on fire. And the people are going, oh, Moses, you talk to him. Don't let him talk to us again. But God did that for, here's his reasons. I'm going to come to you in the form of a dark cloud so that the people themselves can hear me when I talk to you. See, it's myths and fairy tales. It's, it's you know, evolution. Uh-uh. No. They're going to they're, they're gonna hear me when I talk to you. Well, we already saw the voice on the holy mountain we just heard with Jesus and, uh, who was it, Elijah and... And Moses, they heard that voice, this is my beloved son. Okay, well, why is he going to do this? So that the people themselves can hear me when I talk to you, and then they'll always believe you. Go down now. See, there's the indicator. He had to go back up. Go back down. Go down now and see the people are ready for my visit. Sanctify them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes. 
then the day after tomorrow, I'll come down to Mount Sinai as the people watch. He just said, put on your good clothes. Look at that. All right, here we go. Set boundary lines. The people may not pass. Tell them, beware, don't go up into the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Whoever does shall die. No hand shall touch him, but he'll be stoned or shot to death with errors, whether man or animal. See, it's not like a, a game. We're going to have some people out there. I told you, look, I'm sorry, i got to kill you. It just happened. David, when they moved that ark, when David became king, he went down to Gilgal or wherever it was. I forgot where the ark was. And he had his guys try to carry that thing. Well, so far, so good. But it started to fall over. And I think it was Uriah or somebody, he reached up there his hand and tried to touch it. And he died instantly. David was mad at the Lord because of that. But then he tried to move it again. And he said, my fault. We're supposed to get the Levi's to do this. And the Levi's... Uh, Levites did it. All right, here we go. Stay away from the mountain entirely until you hear a ram's horn sounding one long blast. Now, I want to point out here, he didn't say, get somebody to blow one. Uh-uh, this was, where did this come from? Gabriel, blow your horn. Who knows? It didn't come from them. Then gather at the foot of the mountain. Well, here goes. Here goes. So Moses went down to the people and sanctified them and washed their clothes. They washed their clothes. He told them, get ready to appear two days from now and don't have sexual intercourse with your wives. Nothing wrong with that. He's just saying, look, well, let's put the Lord first here. Let's get going. Uh, on the morning of the third day, there was a terrific thunder and lightning storm. Whoa, and a huge cloud came down upon the mountain. Oh, man. Notice it wasn't drenching them. It was just on the mountain. And there was a long, loud blast as from a horn's ramp. And all the people, let's get the picture here. Let's say it was us. Man, the ground must have been moving. <laughs> and Mount Sinai is not some little bitty hill. <gasps> Whoa. What do we got? Lightning, thunderstorm, huge cloud. Okay. There was a ramp. This was like, everybody. I don't scare me. It had to be enough to scare you. Okay. Moses led them out of the camp to meet God. And they stood there at the foot of the mountain. All Mount Sinai, look at this, was covered with smoke because Jehovah had descended upon it in the form of uh, fire. Smoke billowed into the sky as from a furnace <laughs> and the whole mountain, there's your, there's your uh, earthquake. The whole mountain shook with a violent earthquake. As the trumpet blast grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down upon the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses. Look at this. Here we go. Up to the top of the mountain. Moses ascended to God. This is his third time. But Moses told, no, excuse me. But the Lord told Moses, uh, go back down and warn the people, excuse me, warn the people not to cross the boundaries. They must not come up to, here to try to see God. For if they do, notice he wasn't saying, well, just let them. Just let them. He didn't, remember, God is holy, and you can't stand in his presence. We got to have a priest, but he's going to make this whole nation a bunch of priests. Because they're going to learn about God. The rest of the world, like Jethro's father-in-law is a Midianite. He's a priest of the sun, whatever. Anyway, even on the priest, even the priests must sanctify themselves or else I'll destroy them. But the people won't come up to the mountain, Moses protested. You told them not to. Moses probably was thinking, I'm making this up. <laughs> I ain't going back down there again. <laughs> You're wearing me out going up and down this hill. Anyway, mountain. No, you told them not to. You told me to set boundaries around the mountain and declare it off limits because it's reserved for God. But Jehovah said, go down here. Look at this. And bring Aaron back with you. Don't let the priest 
and the people break across the boundaries to try to come up here. I'll punish them. So Moses went down. This is his third time he went down. Okay. Went down to the people and told them what God had said. Boom. Then God issued this edict. See, sometimes as a Baptist, I know as a Baptist, we had Sunday school lessons. Boom. This is the first time I ever heard this. was right here. Did not know what happened to get here. All I heard was this. Ten Commandments. I am Jehovah, your God, who liberated you from slavery in Egypt. You know, that's just, when you say the Ten Commandments, first off, you should remember, and we do, where'd they come from? They just got out of Egypt. People today, they just, fingers in the ears, it's just myths, it's just, it's just, that's the uh, Mennonites or the Pilgrims religion. <sighs> Whatever. That's just how far gone some people are. Doesn't matter what you say, they're not going to believe. I am Jehovah your God who liberated you from slavery in Egypt. You may worship no other God before me. I mean, uh, no other God than me. Remember this, if I put this in the King James, you'll see it. It's ten, we'll, we'll flip it real quick, watch this. Oh, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Matter of fact, there's the heading, Ten Commandments. Now we know where we're at. You shall not make yourselves any idols, no images of animals, birds, or fish. You must never bow down or worship it in any way. Not talking about having statues. Some people go so far, I can't have a statue in my yard because God said, don't worship the statue. You must never bow and worship it in any way for I, the Lord, your God, lo I love this. Your God. Remember, you're drinking coffee or we're here at church, we're enjoying this because we should. We, there's nothing scary about the Bible to us. I mean, we just know the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. We know only a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Anyway, don't bow to it. For the Lord your God, look at this, I'm very possessive. I guess so. There ain't but one God. Can you imagine how he gets up and drinks his coffee? He, well, he's already up. He doesn't sleep or slumber. But every day, you talk about mercy. He hears on the news and he sees multitudes and thousands and thousands of people who deny that he created this world. Boy, I tell you, I don't even, I, I get mad if somebody takes my lane on the parkway. <laughs> You know, and it's not my lane, but you know what I mean? It's my lane, you know. And can you imagine how God just, you talk about this. They, they think they're, they're never going to convince God he didn't create this. He did do it. All right, here we go. And when I punish people for their sins, the punishment comes upon the children, the grandchildren, great-grandchildren to those, look at this. It's to those that hate me. He didn't say, wait a minute, I've made some mistakes. You know, you're drinking your coffee going, Man, I've made mistakes. I guess my kids are in trouble. No. He says to those that hate him, I don't hate you, Lord. That's what you want. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Praise the Lord. So look at this. It's those that hate me. Look at this. But I lavish my love upon thousands of those who love me and obey me. And I'm going to put this in the King James a second because I like the way it says it a little better here. Look at this. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Well, I said the same thing. But anyway, uh, oh, I, there's another place where it says a thousand generations. And it ain't, it ain't been a thousand generations yet. Okay. We ain't been about 70 generations since Moses. All right, here we go. You shall not use the name of Jehovah your God irreverently. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. We kind of get worried about this, but listen, vain. He's not just saying, because God was going around cursing the thing. Jesus cursed the fig tree, and there's, there's curses all over the place. And we think somebody says, GD, oh, boy, you're going to hell for that. No, look at the details here. 
nor use it to swear a falsehood. I swear to God that happened. Yeah, before God, you said, and it didn't happen. And you're using his name to endorse something that never happened. You're not going to escape punishment for that. Anyway, remember to observe the Sabbath as a holy day. Oh, brother, here's that religious stuff. Wait a minute, there's a reason. Keep reading. Act like you never heard anything before. Keep reading. Instead of going, well, the, the whatever it is, the seven-day Adventist people, all this Sabbath stuff, the blue laws. Hold on. Remember to observe the Sabbath as a holy day. And I just think, why? Because he's going to tell you, six days a week are for your daily duties. Okay. And your regular work. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest before the Lord your God. Notice he called it a rest. All right. On that day, you're to do no work of any kind, nor shall your son, daughter, or slaves. Yeah, give them a break. Now look why. Whether men or women, or your cattle or your house guest. Look at this. For, oh, please, you got to quit this. It never happened. Yes, it did. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. Oh, please, you don't really believe it, do you? I love watching, I'm just guessing, it was Apollo 8 or 9. Might have been, no, it wasn't 11. 11 we landed. I think it was Apollo 8. They weren't even supposed to go. Plans changed, and they went ahead and took their first shot with three men to the moon. When they got to the moon, they rounded the backside of it. And I remember Houston was like, if we don't hear from them in four or five minutes, they're lost. But it was so great to hear their voices coming back again. Oh, you know, Eagle to Houston, whatever, you know, or whatever it was, oh, the command module. When they rounded and they saw the earth in the distance there, they quoted Genesis chapter one. Golly. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Man. Great little piece of video to watch that sometime. It wasn't dubbed over. That was the astronaut saying that. And again, it's because of that that men were able to pull that off. Boy, during that time frame, we probably could have gone to Mars immediately because they believed in the Lord. Anyway, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them and rested the seventh day. Oh, come on. I can't believe that. Go back and keep reading. Go back, keep reading. Go look at science, not what people's attitude are. Go look at the evidence. We all have the same evidence. You know, they've got, there's so much good stuff. Granite, they've got this thing called a flash life. A flashlight. Uh, not flashlight. Flash life. I got it right. It's a flash life. In other words, how long did it take to create something? We got granite. I believe it's granite. It's something else. But it could be. But anyway, it had to be created in less than a second. Now, wait a minute. Where you put that chunk of evidence? Right here. God created, didn't happen over billions of years. That stuff somehow instantly was created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. Amazing. Anyway, so he blessed the Sabbath and set it aside for rest. That's all it was. And why did he do it? Because he created. And people today, they, they deny the Lord created anything. And matter of fact, I like to point this out because it was pointed out to me. That's where our week came from. Why don't we have just a three-day? We just have three days. We're off on the third day. No, it's always been a week. Where'd that come from? It came from the Jews, you could say, or from this Bible, whatever. Honor your father and mother. See, this is the Ten Commandments. Look at that. Now, remember, this is the first commandment we promise. This is... I, 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 when I started realizing Jesus was really there to help people, and here I'm a young person. I'm trying to get involved in the ministry, and Richard, you be the youth director. 
I was so excited about what I could tell young people. God will answer your prayers, not just yes, no, maybe. Ask him for help, you know, get him involved in your life. And then I'd tell him about this because we all had parents. And most of the time they were like, my parents are. I'll never forget. Remember Fred Halbrader used to be here. I've told this full, but I'll just make it quick. Fred Halbrader was one of the parents. And I had his son in the youth group. And we used to think Fred Halbrader was the worst of all parents because he just wouldn't let Marcus do anything. I mean, he was just so scared Marcus going to go. We tried to go skiing down there at Gunnersville, And... He was telling me how Fred Fred uh, uh, Fred Halbreder was telling me the statistics of how many people got killed every year on the water at Gunnersville. That's Fred Halbreder. I wish he was here; he'd hear me. He's probably listening to us now in heaven. But anyway, he got. I was so mad at Marcus couldn't go, and finally he could go, but Fred had to go. And I thought, God, what? I was so mad. I was going to put him in this other guy's boat. It was it was a uh, small world. Well, we were all at the same church. Uh, Von Proganall's son-in-law had the other boat. Good friend of mine. I mean, we, we were good. Bobby, Bobby Motor. He had another ski boat, and I, was, I told Bobby already. I called him on the phone. Fred's going to be with you. you know? <laughs> and anyway, that night, you're not going to believe it. This is how close Fred and I got because of this very incident. That night, I was thinking about it, and I knew the Lord said, you get him in your boat. I don't want him in my boat, you know? But I thought, Walk in love. And I put Fred in my boat, and I'm telling you the next day, he was so much help. He made sure the rope was out there. He made sure. He didn't tell me what to do. And, of course, on the water, you want people telling you. And he did tell me, hey, you got people over here. We, were, we had the safest boat on the water. It was fantastic. And, and Fred was phenomenal. But anyway, but I had told the young people that I don't care how bad your parents are or whatever you think they are, mean to you, whatever. Just honor your father and mother. Look at this so that you may have a long, good life in the land which the Lord God will give you. He'll just bless you. Anyway, what's so funny was, so after my Bible studies all the time, you know, years later, the group had grown to about 15, well, just under 20, whatever. And after I said goodbye to everybody on a Friday night, special night, we had fun or whatever, guess where everybody went? To Fred Halbrenner's house and stayed till midnight. Good grief. And they would all tell me all the wonderful, cool things they did. You know, praise God. But anyway, you must not murder, thou shalt not kill. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not lie. Look at that. You must not be envious of your neighbor's house or want to sleep with his wife or want his own slaves, oxen or donkeys or anything else he has. All the people, see, that's the Ten Commandments. No, it's still going on. All the people saw the lightning and the smoke. They actually heard this voice. Thou shalt not, it was woo. Billowing from the mountain, they heard the thunder and the, and the long, frightening trumpet blast. And they stood at a distance, shaking with fears. Exactly what Hebrews chapter 12 says. All right. They said to Moses, <laughs> and I would have said it too. Hey, let's cut a deal here, Mo. You tell us what God says and we'll obey. But don't let him speak to us directly or it'll kill us. Don't be afraid, Moses told him, for God has come in this way. What? to show you his awesome power so that from now on you'll be afraid to sin against him. He was just trying to tell them he's there. All right. As the people stood in the distance, Moses entered the deep darkness where God was. Here he goes. This is four and he's on his way up. And the Lord told Moses to be his spokesman of the people of Israel. You are witnesses to the fact that I have made known my will to you from heaven uh, remember, you may not make or worship idols made of silver and gold or anything. The altars which you make must be simple altars. Now, these are just things he's wanting them to do. 
uh, upon the earth. Offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings of sheep. Whoops, excuse me. Of sheep and oxen. Build altars only where I tell you to, and I'll come and bless you there. Now, we, now we're not going anywhere sacrificing anything, but we do have, like I keep saying, you read your Bible or drinking coffee or whatever, or you're in your car or whatever. Look at that phrase, I will come and bless you. So every morning, every afternoon, whenever you stop and have a moment with the Lord, God is there and he's there to bless you. Wow. It wasn't, well, I owe this. I got to take my cow every year, you know, and offer it to the Lord. When you, <laughs> it was payday. It's like what Janet was talking about. All of a sudden, what's all this? And all of a sudden, somebody sends you some money. Wow. Woo. You may build altars from stone, but if you do, don't use only uncut stones and boulders. Don't chip or shape the stones with a tool, for that would make them unfit for my altar. Don't make steps on the altar. What's this? <laughs> he says, or someone might look up your skirt. That's what he says. Might look up uh, beneath your skirt, your clothing, see your nakedness. Well, we could keep going here, but uh, and and we'll just pick up next next time here. But this is this is very short. Now, uh, it's eventually going to be. It's not right now because he's going to come down the mountain. I'll just give you a heads up. He's getting some information here about uh, how to treat everybody. Okay, he's going to go down the mountain because the Lord's going to say, "Bring up the seventy elders with you." In other words, all the leaders of the different tribes, Naphtali, Gad, Reuben, whatever, all of them. And y'all come up, eat dinner with me. And they all saw God. Okay. Anyway, while they were there, God said for Moses to come up a little higher. And he took Joshua. Joshua went with him. They went up into the cloud. And they were gone for what? 40 days and 40 nights. Moses had said, hey, stay right here. And you have any trouble, talk to Aaron. Well, they had trouble, all right, because they started going... It's been 40 days. This guy's got to be dead because the place is on fire. He's gone. So what'd they tell Moses? I mean, what'd they tell Aaron to do? Build us a God and take us back to Egypt. So they built that golden calf. Oh, man. Anyway, meanwhile, God and, God and Moses and Joshua are up top, and the Lord's telling him some other stuff, and the Lord says, oh, by the way, the people have done created a cow. Go down. I'm very ticked off <laughs> So Moses is heading on down, and Joshua hears a bunch of shouting going on. He says, hey, sounds like there's a war going on. And Moses says, nope, they're having a party. <laughs> Man. And remember the story? Aaron, he's saying, what did you do, Aaron? And Aaron said, well, you know these people, they're just stubborn. They were going to kill me, and I told them, give me your gold, or your gold earring. And he said, I threw the gold in the fire, and out popped the cow. <laughs> yes, sure. Right. I'm sure they carved it, whatever. But that's where we are with this. Anyway, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. Oh, we know these things happened. And yes, Lord, you brought those Israelites out as though on angels' wings and made them a kingdom of priests. Praise God. Even though uh, many of them did not know it. But Father, we thank you. We know you did it. And we know you did it for our sake, too. You take care of us just like you've taken us out and wherever we are on angels, I mean, on uh, eagles' wings. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, if we're not feeling good today, maybe our back's hurting, our head's hurting, whatever, you'll take care of that. There's no other gods. I'm not supposed to go anywhere else. So, Lord, help us with our health. Same thing's true financially. Help us with our money, Lord. And, Lord, any other problem, great, small, whatever it is, you're our God. You come to meet with us, and you said you'd bless us there. So take care of those problems. And that doesn't leave anything left. But for us to write a book of Genesis, a book of Exodus about our lives as we tell people about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.
Praise the Lord. Just about that big old cow they got out there in front. 